Welcome to the Body Liberated Podcast, a space for you to get curious about your body while learning to love, appreciate, and exist in the body you have right now. Now let's get liberated. Good day, great people. I'm Bria. I'm Dr. Tangi. And welcome to the Body Liberated. We are back uh, for another episode, and today we're getting into a little bit about diet culture and this dieter's dilemma that is mentioned um, by so many diet experts, diet culture experts, um, specifically in our handy dandy and very trusted IE book. Um. Intuitive eating was something that really changed the game for me in my own body liberation journey. It was a tool that I didn't even know I needed. And so to be talking about just dieting and how it disconnects us from our body is, it brings me so much joy to to do that today. I'm excited too, because I feel like reading intuitive eating gave me language for what I was experiencing when I was in the dieter's dilemma and it also gave me language for how I felt when I broke free of it unintentionally I wasn't being intentional about it and so I liked it because I'm like there's studies to back up how I've been feeling all along and I never knew that so I'm excited to break it down because I feel like they got into my business when it came to Dieter's Dilemma, like all up in my business. And I know that once we share this, it's going to set a lot of people free. Absolutely. And when I say, and you say all up in the business, it just brings this to a whole nother level of feeling seen right? Like so many women, especially women who exist in larger bodies, feel like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me, not knowing that you're not broken. It's actually the diet that never worked to begin with. Never worked to begin with. It's so true. And like you constantly thinking, I'm not consistent enough. I'm not disciplined enough. Um, why why won't this work you know and it's really the web that you're caught in it's not you because the truth is you are disciplined you are consistent you do things that you don't like to do every single day so the it's the diet and I never knew that it was the like you know that it's the diet, but until someone gives you, and I think that's why it's so important, like to know definitions, to have context, like you say all the time behind things, because until you have a word for it, like that makes you feel seen, it just feels like this invisible thing that you're trying to reach for, but you don't know exactly what you're reaching for. And this gave me like, like some handlebars to like hold on to. So it's just... Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. And it gave you the language, right? Like 
we often can't really articulate how we're feeling because we don't know the right language to use. And so this book right here is the best tool to understand the language of what we're experiencing. So with that being said, wait, this is awkward. So Dr. Tanji, share with us your wait, this is awkward story that ties so beautifully packaged in a bow into the dieter's dilemma well I have something very specific and I feel like I went through the cycle within like a span of a few weeks like I went through everything so we're gonna set the scene for you it's circa 2014 if you're in college in 2014 in the 2000s you know going to Miami your senior year was a thing it's like everything you were doing Miami spring break that was the goal and so for me I knew I needed to and wanted to lose a certain weight so I can feel confident to be in a swimsuit. Now it's 2014. So at the time, Forever 21 is sort of kind of making plus size wear, but it's not, it's not how it is now. It's completely different. It's not women of all shapes and sizes aren't showing their bodies in that way. Like it's very much so, I wouldn't say taboo, but like for me, I felt so like, oh, I'm doing something scandalous from wearing a crop top. (laughs) But I only really felt confident to wear a crop top because I had lost the weight. And so when it comes to the diet dilemma, there's certain steps. So I'm going to explain my story and I'm going to tell you the steps. So the first step is desire to be thin. I want to be thin because I need to look good on the beach and I want to have confidence wear my little short shorts, my little bikini tops and all those things. So I had a desire to be thin. So I did what I needed to do to be thin and I'm in college at the time so I'm still living on campus and so I like I'm cutting out things I usually would so I'm like I'm not eating carbs I'm doing hip-hop abs and insanity in my dorm room and I'm doing all the things so it comes down to it we're in Miami right them cravings they start to hit kick for me like I'm Our hotel was right next to this like breakfast place. I'm ordering all of the pancakes, all of the hash browns, all of the things, right? I'm experiencing my craze. I'm losing self-control. That's day one. We're in Miami for like four days. Now at this time, everything's still fitting real cute. My stuff's still zipping up. Everything's doing good. I'm losing kind of the same self-control that I had. Because remember, I told y'all, well, I don't think I was specific, but I had basically cut out as much carbs as I could. I was eating low-carb keto in order to look the way that I wanted to. But when it got to Miami, it was all bets off. I was in Miami. I was eating pancakes. I was drinking the drinks, all the sugary drinks. I was doing all the things. So I began to overeat. So every, every single day I'm eating more pancakes than I usually would, more chips than I usually would. I'm basically eating everything that I wasn't eating in order to look good in my bathing suit. Day four or day five of the trip, I go to put on some shorts that fit in the beginning of the trip. By the end of the trip, they did not fit at all. So in the course of maybe 
four or five days, I didn't weigh myself. Obviously, I'm on vacation, but I'm pretty sure that, not pretty sure, the proof is in the pudding because the shorts, they was tight. I gained majority of that weight back. And that goes to show you the regaining of the weight loss. And so you can see how the cycle starts again because you say to yourself, oh, I fell off on vacation. I'm going to get right back when I get back to the stateside or when I don't come off of vacation. And you can see yourself in different points of your life going through those things. And for me, when I got back, I'm in grad school at the time. So I gained even more weight because there was no desire to be thin anymore. And I didn't have good habits when it came about exercising, eating, nutrition, any of that. The only time I ever cared about being healthy or eating healthily was in the act of being thin. It was never to have more energy so I can focus in class. It was never to be able to stand up longer on rotations. Like none of those reasons. The reasons were simply to look a certain way. And because that was my reasoning, you can't stick to a strict or restricting diet like that. Like to me think that I was never going to eat carbs again, cut out all this stuff and work out more than I ever was and think I can keep that up. I couldn't. And so that's my way this awkward. So it was very awkward because I still put them shorts on, but they was tight and I couldn't sit. Them was standing, standing room only shorts. Standing room only shorts. I love that. <laughs> the last time that you said that, I was just like, that makes sense. I got some of those. Standing room only. You know, you know them pants that you can't quite can't can't sit, but you look fabulous standing up. <laughs> you know, I actually saw a influencer on Instagram and it was a very popular reel. So you probably saw it, but it was like, you know, how I fit into these jeans. And it was like, I bought a bigger size. I low-key about want to recreate that. <laughs> you saw it. I saw it. Yes, because that is so true. And, and I think it's important when you're in this body liberation practice, right? It's a practice because it takes effort every single day to exist and show up in a body that is not valued by society. And so to have like just variances of sizes of pants, because sometimes they're going to fit and sometimes they're not. Even if you're at an ideal weight that you would feel like was appropriate, when you're on your cycle, you blow. Mm-hmm. you gain you know you you get bloated right you're not the same weight even throughout the day our weight fluctuates it may not fluctuate so drastically but there are points in times as women where our clothes don't fit and it's not a fault it's how our bodies exist right and I love when you said that because I know for me personally, when clothes were too tight that fit before, I took it as, oh, this is a sign that I need to lose weight. Never until 
the past couple of years and actually really put it into practice last year, did I just go, oh no, I just need a better size and I didn't internalize it. But before I would be like, man, I guess I need to start back um, getting it together and eating healthy because these pants are kind of tight, not taking into consideration. What did you eat that day? Are you on your cycle? You know, or maybe right now you do just need a bigger size because you just need a bigger size for right now. And that's okay. You know, just I can to constantly put your cloak, your body in something that doesn't fit for the sake of not wanting to say you had to go up a size because there's shame in saying, oh, I'm a size, you know, and if you're not like a 12, like, you know, how they're like acceptable plus size, you know? So if you're like not a 12 or a 14 and like, for me, my identity was wrapped up in that because for a long time, up until like the end of college, I had always been like that acceptable plus size. I'd always been a 12, 14, no matter what. And so when I got to that 16, when I got to that 18, and probably I low-key really was a 20 at the height of it, but I just never went ahead and took myself there. It's it's like, it makes you feel like shit. <laughs> it makes you feel like shit when you're when your worth is wrapped up in that. And so I just, I just, I would hate for anyone else to continue to live that way without knowing the knowledge that they don't have to live like that way, that it's a better option. It's a better choice. That is the challenge when we're in this dieter's dilemma. Mm -hmm. Like, when we have agency over what we eat, autonomy over what we eat, we don't have to get back on or fall off. We can harmonize our life in a way that says, I'm doing what feels good for my body today, or I'm doing, I'm doing what feels pleasurable for my body today, right? I'm doing X today for my body. Right. And it doesn't always have to be wrapped in, you know, um, you know, this 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 desire for thinness, because that's really what it is. It's not, you know, we at no point want to discredit that there are people who are living with real life threatening diseases that can be very much tied into your weight, right? Our message is that your weight should not be the only determinant of your health. And it should not be the top determinant of your health. Because there's so many other things that we go through and that we experience in life. And because of diet culture, it makes us feel like it's us that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's so true. And understanding the dieters dilemma and diet culture in general, you see it all the time in how it's advertised, like gain happiness after you lose weight, gain happiness. That was on my, um, in my email from Noom, lose weight, gain happiness. Now, if you know anything, you know, that losing weight won't gain your happiness. 
That's not how that works at all. But they would like us to believe that when you reach this level of thinness, like the doors and the gates and all of these things open it in society, it's true. Those things are value, but true happiness that you have in yourself isn't based off of that, which is why you can't get out of the cycle, which is why you, and the thing is you can lose. What I realized with the daughter's dilemma is the cycle isn't on a set timeline. You can be in the restrictive phase for years. You can be in it for years. And then something can happen like a global pandemic and a lockdown and you're off of it and you gain all that weight back. And now you look at yourself and you don't even recognize what you look like and you haven't recognized what you've looked like for two or three years because that's how long we've been in this place because your mindset is still stuck on the desire to be thin. And it's a hard truth to come to term with, but I believe that once people can come to terms with it, it will make making those decisions for your body, as you said, easier because it won't be about what you look like. It'll be about what your body feels like, what feels good to you, what doesn't feel good to you. You won't feel like, oh my goodness, I got to eat three cookies because you know three cookies don't make you feel good. You just, just eat one cookie and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. And let's just talk about this restrictive stage for years. And I just think about this lifestyle change, right? I'm not on a diet. I'm making a lifestyle change. But does that lifestyle change honor you? Does it honor your body in a way that says, I don't have to follow a rigid regimen to maintain my weight? I can exist and live life and make choices that honor and respect my body. Like I like to frame it as when you are, you can, you can have a value of health, right? Oftentimes we mask the desire to for thinness into I'm losing weight for my health. Mm. And I think we just got to be a little bit more real than that are you really losing weight for your health? Part of you might because you've been conditioned to believe that the weight is the only problem. However, part of you is existing in a culture that values thinness and feels devalued because your body type does not align with that. And so... When you're not an acceptable body type, when fatness has been shamed and othered, you then have this ideal or, you know, want to lose weight for your health. But if health was a real value, which it should be, if health was a real value, you would be making other choices like not staying up to three o'clock in the morning, scrolling on Instagram and having to get up in the morning and feeling stressed. Mm. you would limit 
the amount of toxicity you consume. There would just be so many other things that you could be doing to value your health that does not involve losing weight. Mm -hmm. When you've existed in a larger body for so long, weight and existing in these larger bodies is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned this on the last episode that trauma is anything that alters your response to external stimuli. And so if people are constantly beating up your body, if people are constantly telling you you need to lose weight, if people are constantly shaming you for or or saying that, you know, you're lazy because you're fat and all of these negative connotations with living in a larger body, that is altering your response to external stimuli. Because now I'm bad and I have to be fixed. Absolutely. That so, is so true. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to touch on the dietist dilemma. You mentioned a little bit about the cycle that you were in when you were in Miami. And I want to share with all of our lovely ladies and gentlemen who are listening, this idea of restriction, that's the second part of the dieter's dilemma, right? That's the second, well, the third, more like the third, (laughs) but you have the desire to be thin, right? Then you have dieting and then the cravings reduce self-control. And then you have the loss of control and overeating and then you have regaining the weight. Let's talk a little bit about our trusted friend, dopamine, Mm. right? Dopamine is that feel good, you know, chemical that the brain releases. And dopamine actually, it is, it triggers a pleasurable feeling as well as it motivates behavior, right? When you when you feel something pleasurable, you're like, oh, you know, I'm gonna do everything to chase this, you know, this feeling. Like I'm motivated to get more and more of it. And it's like a euphoria. And when we restrict ourselves from food, we often end up craving it more, right? Because we know what that feeling feels like, but now we're suppressing it and it's actually going to want, going to make us want more of that feeling. And so that's why we end up overindulging because we've restricted ourselves for so long. Deprivation can lead to a heightened desire from the thing that you're depriving yourself of. And so when we're in that cycle, we feel like it's us when it's really our body's response to us restricting ourselves. And so that's why we say that it's not necessarily you that has lack of motivation. It's the fact that we weren't designed to diet. Say it one more time, good sis. We were not designed to diet. We were designed to nourish ourselves. And we get it 
I know when I was experiencing um, some challenges with my own eating, I ran into this place of, I don't want to, I don't want to permit myself to eat certain things because I'm not going to be able to, you know, I want to finish it all. I want to eat it all. But when we truly make peace with food and heal our relationship with food and permit food, we don't have to stress about overindulging or overconsuming because we know that there's no lack and it's always going to be there. That is so true. I think about it recently with um, with chips, right? And chips have always been my guilty pleasure, which I don't like that word because you shouldn't feel guilty from eating food. It, like it's food. It doesn't make you a better person or a bad person if you decide to eat what you want to eat. But I felt like I could never just put some in a bowl and put it down. Whenever I got the family size bag of chips, it would be gone in like a day or two days. I absolutely love potato chips, but really healing the relationship with my body and practicing intuitive eating, we have had chips in the house like for months now and it's not an issue I just eat the chips and then that's it I'm not eating them until I don't know if this happens to anybody else but whenever I eat too much like chips or salty or anything like that you know how you get like that headache or something like you can feel like it just doesn't you reach that point to where it doesn't feel good like I would have to reach that point before I would stop eating the chips because they just taste so good. And I'm like, well, let me just, I don't know the next time I'm going to eat these chips. So let me just finish the whole bag. Let me just get this corner out since I already ate it. Let me just finish it up. And it's not a problem anymore. And it took, it took me just having the foods in the home and being okay with it. Even my husband, Anthony, he's like, you know, I just like having chips in the house and like, they don't go as quickly as they did because it's not restricted. If you want some chips, you just go and get some. And that's it. <laughs> and so it's definitely, it's possible. You don't have to, to do it because it's that dopamine. Every time you eat that potato chip, it's like, ooh, I don't know the last time I ate a potato chip. So let me get some more. I mean, you see it the same thing. That's why people are addicted to narcotics it's that dopamine response. It's that feel good that you get at any time that you abuse it, it, um, or you take it away without allowing yourself the pleasure, as you said before, you're going to overdo it. Yeah. That dopamine, right. It being that it triggers this pleasurable experience and this motivation behavior is important for us to know that food should be a pleasurable experience, right? It's okay for food to be a pleasurable experience. We don't have to overindulge if we stay attuned to our bodies. And that is what we promote, body attunement. If I know what my satiety cues are, if I know what it feels like to be full, if I know what it feels like to be hungry, I don't have to have distrust in myself. And that also adds in this concept and idea of body trust, right? When I have a lack of self-trust, 
I'm not permissing all of my foods because I don't believe that I can actually stop when I'm finished or when I'm full. And oftentimes, just getting a little clinical here, binge eating. And I think that's what you, that's what is described in the dieter's dilemma. And studies show that when we don't eat or when we deny ourselves a food, we oftentimes engage in binge eating behaviors because one, we don't know when we'll ever get this food again, like you said. And two, we can actually form disordered eating behaviors. And oftentimes that is where the emergence of eating disorders come in at is because we're restricting ourselves and we're finding ourselves in this cycle. And that's just promoting us to crave more food and binge more often. And so we then go into what I call shame cycles, Mm -hmm. right? Like, dang. I really ate that whole bag of chips. And then we go back into the restrictive phase, right? We go back to, okay, so tomorrow I'm not going to eat this, 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 and that. And then the end of tomorrow comes and we binge all over again, right? And the cycle continues. And that is how we go from disordered eating to a full-blown eating disorder, Right. Because we're just trying to we're just trying to get it together. We're just trying to get a get a grasp of like, why can't I why can't I be disciplined? And like you said, we're you go to you go to a job that you could care two things about. That's discipline. We have to start putting things into better conceptualizing things differently I should say Mm -hmm. right because it's not discipline that you don't have it's the fact that you're trying to follow this rigid system that just was not made to work Mm -hmm. and it's and you follow it because that's what's promoted and you fear that if you don't do it this way then you'll never reach your destination. But I want to encourage you to ask yourself, you've been doing it this way for so long. Have you reached your destination? And if you have, what does maintaining that look like? Is it hard? If it's hard, life is hard. We know that. But if it's truly something that just does not honor you, that you have to put forth so much effort into every single day, that is not liberation. Liberation is freedom. Mm. You smile when you think about it. When you hear the word liberation, it feels good. Like It feels like I want to wake up and I really want to do it again tomorrow. And if you don't feel like that about how you maintain the way you look, then you haven't formed a sustainable way to maintain it. If you don't wake up and be like, I could do this again tomorrow. This was actually, yeah, I can, yeah, I could do that again tomorrow. If you can't, if you can't say that, then I don't think that you're liberated. Yeah, I I think it just comes down to, you know, 
when we live fulfilling lives and I think this just is what I try to live by that is very hard and that is living a life of harmony living a life that feels good when you wake up doing things that you want to do all of that encompasses total wellness if you're at a job that you hate that sucks if you're having financial hardship if you're having some medical challenges all of those things contribute to your quality of life Mm -hmm. and what happens is when you have this unbalanced life you're deprived of dopamine because you're not happy you're not joyful it's hard to wake up it's hard to be a mom it's hard to serve others when you don't have anyone checking on you. You don't have people in your corner really rooting for you. You don't have these things and it deprives you of dopamine. And so like so many of us, food is pleasurable and it gives us that dopamine. Mm. Right? And so when we get that, it's the only coping tool and strategy that we use. And we find ourselves overutilizing food as a coping skill versus just using food as food. And it's not just for nourishment. Let me tell you that, okay? Because I want my food to be good, right? And and it doesn't always have to be. You can make choices for your body to have more nutrient-dense foods, but also have pleasurable foods. And you don't have to indulge. You can just eat it. Eat it. Just eat it. It doesn't have to be such a like and let it taste good. Exactly. Just eat it and be done with it. Like it's not, it's nothing to like indulgences. Like you know how the dove chocolates are like woman's guilty pleasure and all that. Those commercials are not advertised like that for men because they don't they don't feel no guilt or nothing like that when they had that second, but like it's shown as free fun. And and careless, but when we're eating that chocolate, we're doing that. It's like it's naughty. It's not naughty. <laughs> You're not doing anything wrong at all. And as Bria described it so beautifully, when you're not taking care of other parts of your life and you think that it's the weight that's the issue, it's not. It's the other parts of your life that contribute to your wellness. And so, of course, you're going to go to the food. We all, as human beings, want the desire to be loved, to feel good. That is a natural, that's a natural urge. And so, yeah, you're going to go to food for that. If you are don't have any habits, any routines, any, anything in place to give you that other, give you it someplace else. You're just relying for it for food. And food can be used for that, but it shouldn't be the only thing that's giving you that dopamine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, I just think that when we can come to a place where all food is permissible, when we are making peace with our food, it allows us to have better connection to our body. And we can, like I said, that's why that last principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. 
and gentle nutrition is specific to the person. It's what makes your body feel good, right? And you can eat things that make your body feel good and you can eat things that are good for your body and understanding what that means for you is important. And I go back to this value of health, right? If you have a value of health, your choices are going to look a little different, right? Because naturally, we don't believe that food has morality. There's no good and bad foods. However, there's more, there are some foods that have more nutrients than others, right? But it's how you integrate those things into your diet and not diet as in the restrictive way, but diet as in your food choices and what you eat, right? Your choice of food. When you integrate the things that you like and the things that promote certain health benefits for your body, you don't have to over obsess about those things. They just are, right? This is what makes my body feel good. This is what make this is what I like. This is what tastes good. And it's not easy. It's not easy to get to that place. I want to be clear. It's not easy. It's a daily. And and sometimes we find ourselves in the dieter's dilemma without even without even knowing it, right? Because the desire to be thin, I don't think ever goes away completely because of the world we live in. Absolutely. And if you're constantly being told that your body is not valuable, then it's going to at some point plant some seed that on a bad day is going to spring up. But you have to be able to have other tools to support yourself. So on those bad days, you can recognize that this is just a moment. It's just a feeling. And I don't have to subscribe to these things that I consume in my everyday life. We can't stop consuming things. I wish we could, but we can't. So the best thing for us to do is to join forces with community, to be able to lock arms with people who share the same values that we share. So on those bad days, we can encourage one another. So on those bad days, we can say, no, you don't have to go join that weight loss challenge. You're doing fine. You're just having a hard moment. That man didn't leave you because you gained all that weight and now you're less valuable. Maybe he just don't like it how a T.I. is, okay? Okay, period. And that's fine. That's fine. We find other ways to pour into ourselves, to celebrate ourselves. And that is what this journey is about. Right. When we shift from weight loss journeys to fully living liberated, that does not mean we don't have these moments. We still do. But it's about how we manage the moment that gets us to the other side and that allows us to fully embrace all of who we are. I love it. I have nothing else to add. I feel like we could we could leave it there. Um, But before we end, if you could leave our beautiful, lovely listeners with one actionable thing they can do to really 
assess if they are in the dieter's dilemma, what would that thing be? If you're trying to assess if you're stuck in the dieter's dilemma, think about your motivations for weight loss. Each part of the dieter's dilemma can you can find yourself in longer stretches than others, right? And it's about asking yourself, what are my motivations for these things? And what is influencing these motivations? And if they're external, then that's a pretty, um, if they are external, that may say more about what you're consuming than what you actually believe, right? And if there are things that go against your own personal values, go against your own personal beliefs, you might even have values and beliefs that are actually harmful to you and you not know it. And so if there's anything that invokes feelings of blame, feelings of shame, then that's also a high indication that that's probably not something that you should be subscribing to. When you think about getting your health to a place that feels liberated, getting your body to a place that feels liberated, you want to consider, is this honoring me in a way that feels good? It makes, it makes me feel good, right? It makes me not dread doing things in my everyday life. If I have to dread going to a gym, if I have to dread the things that I eat, that is a signal that I'm not living liberated. So those are just some practical ways that you can assess. Again, I'll kind of summarize it. And that is being able to really ask yourself those critical questions about what are you motivated by and what is influencing this motivation. I love it. Thank you guys again for tuning in to episode three. We really appreciate you. And we want to hear your weight. This is awkward story. So make sure you fill out the form or send us an email to the body liberated pod at gmail.com because there's going to get a point where we stop telling stories that we know and we want to hear from you or if you just want to send us some love you can send it to the body liberated pod at gmail.com because we want to share the love back and we'll see you next Sunday. Love ya. Bye. Yes. And remember, when you give to your body, it gives back. You deserve to be liberated. We out. Scars from a lifetime. From not loving myself, it was never the right time. I had to speak to the cosmos to realign. My synergy, this energy will center me. I keep on falling. I keep on falling. Keep on falling into the depths of